people are not always gonna be happy for you. They like to owe you, you know, when you're in ruins, in your mind, in your emotions, in your finances, in your health, in your relationship, and in your church. They like for you to be sad. They like for you to be uh, walking around with doom and gloom. But we serve a God that has joy, that will give us joy if we allow him. You're now in tune to the Heaven Bound broadcast with Pastor Richard D. Dobbs of Overcomers Christian Center in Billerica, Georgia. Now prepare to be empowered and equipped with the rich word of God. I want to begin, first of all, with two definitions that will hopefully lay a foundation for today's message. The first word is mind. My mind consists of my understanding, my thinking, and is the seat of my emotions. My mind affects my heart, my inner reasoning, and my decision-making. The second word we want to look at is the word work. Work can be defined as activities in which I exert strength to perform a particular task. Synonyms for the word work is effort, productivity, practice, and performance for those who can and will work. Because not everybody can, but people that do practice these particular aspects. However, the opposite of work in a positive sense is rest and leisure. And that normally happens after you work. Some, most people, at least I, I've heard of all kinds of things these days, they don't start a job and two days later ask to go on vacation for two weeks. They normally go in a position where they are working for a while and then they want to go on vacation. The opposite of work in a negative sense is idleness, laziness, inactive, and disengaged. There are times when we need to relax, rest, and get refreshed. Jesus took his disciples off and they rested because they had been ministering the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There are times where some of us may take that relaxation too far and enter into a state of laziness when we're unwilling to work or decline to do activity. And see, laziness can be a sign of many things, from a lack of interest in what is being asked or a lack of discipline. And at times, we may not believe we have the ability to do certain things, and rather than asking for help or studying the task, some of us just take the lazy approach and refuse to do what's been asked of us. We see lazy people who are believers, too, and those who are seeking to know Jesus. They're lazy in their approach again to know Jesus. And see, laziness is a habit and a pattern of behavior that can hinder us spiritually as well as naturally. When you are lazily, lazy, you have a tendency to not study God's word as you should. You may read over it, but you don't spend time meditating, unpacking the scriptures, allowing the Holy Spirit to open up the word to you. You don't consistently pray like you need to. You don't give your best in your auxiliaries. You come to church when you feel like it. If you don't feel like it, you don't come. See, laziness is real, and no one is exempt from being lazy. 
In fact, if I asked the question in the room, have you ever been lazy before? I can imagine most of us would raise our hand because at some point or another, we just came to the conclusion, we, hey, we were just lazy sometime. And lasers will hinder us from having a mind to work. A mind to work is a mind of productivity despite opposition. A mind to work is a mind to prepare, produce, and as well as prosper. A mind to work says my thinking and understanding are that of accomplishing the task that is before me. See, we can develop certain work habits. Work habits are patterns, behaviors that contribute to our job performance over time. See, our work habits may include timeliness, quality of work, productivity, initiative, and excellent follow-through when it comes to how we work at home, business, church, on the job, and such like. It is what we do, and some of us have good work habits. We're going to give 100% regardless of what the task is, cleaning the church, cutting the grass, planning a meeting, doing our job, a business adventure. Whatever it is, we're going to give our best, whether we like what we're doing or don't like what we're doing, but because of our character and our maturity, we're going to give it our best effort. Some of us have strong work habits that as we approach life, we, have, we, we learn how to work. We learn how to work. Some of us, we didn't, we didn't have much choice. I remember my mama used to get me up on Saturday morning and say, you clean this house. I said, I want to sleep in and watch cartoons. But she said, no, you have to work before you start watching cartoons. And it, and it taught me how to work. We have to learn we must trust Jesus for power to overcome laziness. <laughs> While some of us depend on the task, depend on tasks, some of us, I can imagine, we don't give like we could give. We may give 30%, 40%, 50%, depending on what it is. For some of us, God is still delivering us and changing us because we have work habits that are not as productive and it impacts our performance. Signs of poor work habits. And these Habits can be found in the church as well as outside the church. We arrive late and leave early. We consistently let follow through on our projects. We're consistently on the phone when it's not our job to be on the phone. We're looking at social media instead of doing the job that we are supposed to do. We, we can be dismissive, see things as not as important. We're, care, we're careless at performing tasks or have I don't care mindset or an indifference mindset. We work when someone of importance is watching us, like a supervisor or something along that nature. We can be quick to make excuses and shift the blame for our lack of performance on that particular task. Many times my work habits reflect or mirror my mindset. Let's go back to Nehemiah chapter 4. I'm going to start reading or read down verses 1 through 9. Nehemiah chapter 4, we're going to start reading at verse 1 and go down to verse 9. But it so happened when Sambalit heard that we were rebuilding the wall, that he was furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. And he spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that are burned? 
Now, Tobiah the Amorite was beside him, and he said, what, whatever they build, if even a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. Here, our, oh, our God, for we are despised. Turn the reproach on their own heads and give them as plunder to a land of captivity. Do not cover their iniquity and do not let their sin be blotted out before you, for they have provoked you to anger before the builders. So verse 6, so we built the wall and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height. For the people had a mind to work. Verse 7, now it happened when Samballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Astodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were being and the gaps were beginning to be closed, that they became very angry. And all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to our God. And because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. Certain people in this text had some conscious as well as subconscious thoughts and deeds that could have caused chaos and confusion among God's people. Not only were they doing it, they were trying to rally support to encourage them to act in like manner. We're going to look at three, three uh, we call them three people in the text, or two people and then a group of people. Sam Ballard, Tobiah, and Nehemiah, and the people. The first person to look at is Sam Ballard. Sam Ballard's name means strength, suggesting he had a strong personality, resilient, and resourceful. Sam Ballard was likely a person who was assertive, influential, passionate about what he wanted to achieve and possess. He wanted things done his way. And having a strong, tenacious personality can be a good thing when we're on God's side and standing for God's cause. Yet, Sam Ballant, unfortunately, he was on the other side. In fact, tell your neighbor, don't be on the other side. Now, when it comes to the Jews and their work that God had instructed Nehemiah to do, Sam Ballant to pr- prove not to be a help, but a hindrance. Sambalat was a Moabite of Horanum and an opponent of Nehemiah. He was someone who competed against him or we consider him an adversary. And see, the goal of an opponent is to create obstacles and Sambalat was good as his assignment, or he thought he was good anyway. Sambalat, like many other strong personality people, he stayed in the loop of what was happening. In fact, Sambala was a person we consider he was a person that was in somebody else's business when really he shouldn't have been in their business. And so we see this in Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 1. But it so happened when Sambala heard that we we were rebuilding the wall and he was furious and very indignant. He was grieved and he was upset. He had a lot of wrath. But notice what he did, and he mocked the Jews. He ridiculed them. He laughed at them in scorn. See, Sambalat wanted to prevent Nehemiah from following God's assignment. 
And we have to be careful not to oppose the people that God has divinely called and given an assignment. See, Nehemiah was praying, was a praying man who had been given a divine assignment to rebuild the city of his homeland. In fact, let's pick that up in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 1 through 5. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 1 through 5. Notice what it says here. And it came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, that I took the wine and gave it to the king. Now, I had never been sad in his presence before. Therefore, the king said to me, why is your face sad since you are not sick? There is nothing but sorrow of heart. So I became dreadfully afraid and said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not be said when the city, the place of my father's tomb, lies waste and its gates are burned with fire? Now the king said to me, what do you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven and I said to the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. One thing I want to note to you about Nehemiah, he always came or he did his job in a way that he was happy about his job. May not have been the best job, but he was happy about what he was doing. And I truly believe that we need to take a note from Nehemiah that we need to be happy about what God has blessed us with. We don't need to go in a situation where we are always sad and upset. And then when we are sad and upset, won't nobody even notice it. But Nehemiah was a person when he was, his countenance failed. Uh, the king noticed it. Now, back to the text. Sambalit heard that we were rebuilding the wall, and he was furious. We, they were establishing and continuing to build the wall, and he was furious, angry. He was enraged to the point of violence. Some people may not be happy about you rebuilding your life around the word of God. Mark that. Mark that. People are not always going to be happy for you. They like to owe you, you know, when you're in ruins, in your mind, in your emotions, in your finances, in your health, in your relationship, and in your church. They like for you to be sad. They like for you to be uh, walking around with doom and gloom. But we serve a God that has joy, that will give us joy if we allow him. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. And I thank God for his joy. His joy will keep us when things are not going well around us. In fact, the Bible says this, all things are working together for our good because we love God and we're called according to his purpose. But in this case, they mocked, they mocked him. They mocked them. If we're not careful, they'll mock us and make fun of us when they see that we're praying to a God whom they cannot see, as well as loving on him and forgiving those who have mistreated and misrepresented us. Isn't it something when you start forgiving folks, people say, why you forgive that person? And why you forgive that person? Because, of, because God has forgiven me. 
And that's why I forgive person A and person B. Because if God can forgive me for everything I've done, who am I to hold somebody in bondage? We all ha have our sound balance in our life. They're trying to keep us with what, with what we are doing so they can't oppose us. Praying people with divine assignments can expect to deal with some symbolics in the world. And my thing is, don't be a symbolic, though. And oh, Thank you, Lord. I had to admit, I got to stop right here. I've been symbolic before. I have opposed the things of God before. I had to repent. Okay? So, you know, when I look at scripture like this, and I'm saying, symbolic, symbolic, symbolic. I got to remember, Richard, Richard, Richard. Keep that in mind. Before you get mad, say, I would never do anything like that. Okay, keep on living. It takes a Christ-minded person to deal with this imbalance that come across your life. It takes a Christ-minded church to collectively overcome self-balance, especially when he or she tries to hinder God's house from moving forward. That's why Jesus dealt with many opposers and opponents. We remember he dealt with the scribes. He dealt with the Pharisees. He dealt with the chief leaders. He dealt with Judas who betrayed him with a kiss after Jesus had invested that time in him and served him and supported him. Yet many of those same people will allow Satan to use them to oppose Jesus. You remember that the Bible says that Satan or the devil entered into Judas and he carried out Judas what what excuse me, he carried out what he wanted to do. You got to be careful that you don't allow the enemy to get in you to use you against what God is called to be done. Sometimes you you have to constantly look in the mirror and pray and, and talk to God and make sure the ways of Sam Ballot are not operating in your life. When we see our sister brothers in Christ receive their heart's desire, do we celebrate on the outside and resent them inwardly? They ride up in a new car. We're like, oh, ha, ha, I'm so happy for you. You really happy for them. You wish you had that car. But your time will come. That's why you ought to rejoice with those that rejoice because God is not a respecter of persons. If God bless person A, you ought to say, uh-oh, mine, right around the corner. Woo, somebody, ain't, ain't, ain't got no right around the corner folks right here? Looking around the corner talking about, hey, I'm happy for you, but I'm happy for you, but why? Because I'm going to get jealous with the same God that made your car making thousands of cars out there. And one of them got my name on it with the title in it. Some of y'all missed that. Notice I said no payments. I said the title. Everybody say title. <laughs> mm -hmm. Now, when we see auxiliary moving forward with, with or without our best efforts, do we harbor resentment or we happen to see the cause of God move forward? When we see others exercise their faith in a way that causes them to receive their heart's desire, are we bitter because our faith has not arrived yet? Or do we look in the mirror and challenge ourselves to do better? I see this person, they've been given, and now they've got their heart's desire. I need to start giving more as well. Sambala was not just angry on the inside, but he acted on his anger. Sambala began to mock 
mock the Jews and plant seeds of doubt in Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 2. Notice what Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 2 says. And he spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, what are these feeble Jews doing? What are these weak Jews doing? I don't know how in the world he knew they were weak, but he considered them to be weak. Will they fortify or repair or restore themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they slay an animal? Will they complete or accomplish or finish it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that are burned? See, Samballot was messy and passive-aggressive. See, passive-aggressive people tend to have the indirect resistance to the demands of others, especially people in authority. They tend to resist cooperating with the group. Instead, they will attempt to do their own thing on the side. You don't know about those people that do their own thing on the side? They do their own thing, got their own agenda on the side. You got to be careful about people like that. I'm not going to join the group, but I will form my own group. Passive aggressive. See, Sam Ballard did, excuse me, did just that and got others to agree with his resistance to the wall being rebuilt for God. See, Sam Ballard had the ability to plant a negative seed without others really knowing what was happening. He used the technique of question to spread his agenda, the agenda of the accuser. Y'all remember the accuser? He says, has God not said when he came with, uh, well, excuse me, when he came and talked to Eve in the garden? Has God not said? Has God not said? And if you're not careful, he'll bring some questions up to you as well. Will God really keep you at, when you do what is right? Will God truly cause you to get your calf, your heart's desire? Will God truly fill you with the Holy Spirit? Will God truly use you after he knows your past? And the answer is yes. God uses people every day, all day, and he knows their past. He knows everything they've done. If God will use a Peter and God will use a Paul, God can use you as well. Somebody say, thank God for using me. Mm -hmm. And God can use you. God can use you. Now, we look at this text, and sometimes people will question you because they, Sam Bow began to question them and what they were doing. They asked questions for different reasons. That's why we need the Holy Spirit to help us discern and respond properly. See, some questions that people ask are to be ignored and some are to be answered with few words. You know, sometimes they tell you what you say can be used against you. <laughs> and we don't want none of that happen because sometimes we just talk too much. Thank y'all for the two-way man. Y'all keep talking. Y'all can look at me funny if you want to. We didn't talk too much. We tell the devil, we tell uh, everybody what we're doing. And sometimes you hear the God say, shh, shh, let me, sh let me talk through you. Let me talk through you. Let me hear your body. And then you go back and show them the report. Let me prosper you. And then let me go back and show them what I've done through you. Let God, you are living epistles, live and read of men. See, mature Christ-like members, leaders like Nehemiah, did not respond to him, uh, to Sam Ballard. 
Symbolic questioned their identity, their ability, their authority, their commitment, even their faith in one sense as relate to offering sacrifices. In my experience, there will always be someone who will question what we do for God. Let me say that again. There always going to be somebody going to question what you do for God. Now, as mature Christians, we shouldn't be surprised by it. We shouldn't be surprised. Somebody question the fact that you pray. And then you get all upset with it. Why are you getting upset with immature folks? Well, let me get out of there. They will question our ability, our skill, our know-how, our resources, even the God we we serve will come up in the question. We we must remain faith walkers regardless of how people oppose us and play obstacles in our pathway. 2 Corinthians 5 and 7 reads as follows, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Therefore, we cannot lose our focus on Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2 tells us this. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Remember, anything that Jesus started, he is God enough to complete it. Let me say that to this side. I don't think they got it over here. Anything God starts, he can't complete it. Thank y'all so much. Let me see. They they listen over here. Anything God starts, he can complete it. If God started something in your life, he big enough to complete it. If God started your healing, he big enough to complete it. If God started your deliverance, he big enough to complete it. If God started your prosperity, he big enough to complete it. And this is what you need to know. God doesn't let people or circumstances stop him from blessing you. Mm -mm -mm. In fact, God is such a God of more than enough and so powerful, he can even bless you despite you. I mean, he'll bless you despite you because that's the God that we serve. Our faith is established and strengthened when we hear and apply God's written and revealed word, even in the midst of opposition. Now, let's look back at the second one we're going to talk about. We talked about Sambalat. The second one is Tobiah. Tobiah name means Jehovah is good. Good can be defined as that which is beneficial, advantageous, excellent and morally right. If name truly reveals our nature, then Tobiah has some inwardly good character traits that should allow him to be a blessing and a benefit. Yet he allowed the company that he kept, specifically Sambalat, that he kept to hinder his good name. And we can allow corrupt company to destroy and ruin our good name. 1 Corinthians 15 and 33. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Do not be deceived. Don't be led astray and don't wander from God's way and don't be tricked. Evil company, twisted and troublesome thinking and talking, corrupts good behavior. Good habits, I should say. We see in Nehemiah 4 and 3 how something or someone who was created to do good can connect with someone or someone can cause them to create chaos and confusion. 
And I, I'll be honest with you, I have been one of the folks. I, I'm, this is me admitting my sin, y'all. I'm just being honest with you. I have been an individual who was created for good, but I did bad. And I influenced others to do bad as well. I was one in high school used to lead folks into sin. Look at y'all, four amen. Like, not you, Pastor Don. Yes, me. I'm the one who pulled up and told me, get in the car, we're going to ride somewhere. Look how y'all looking at me. You, Pastor? Yes, it was me. It was me who told him to get in the car. It was me who took him by the store. I ain't talking about the grocery store neither. It was me who took him to the place back, back, down in the woods somewhere around the corner through the bend. Not the grandma's house we went neither. And it was me who took him there. It was me who said, hey, man, give me some money so we can go in. You got to give me $2 gas money. It was me who did this, that, and the other. It was me who got home at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. It was me who led them bad. So me getting mad with him, talking about, well, I would never do anything like that. I already did it. That's why I had to repent and ask God to help me. Because you can lead people the wrong way with all your good intentions that you want. I have been in the church and led people the wrong way. I have been in the church, led people the wrong way, had to repent, and repent not only to them, but to others as well. Why? Because I did the wrong thing. So you could be good, but do things the wrong way. Do things the wrong way. Well, not me, Pastor. Okay, all right. I hear you over there. Verse Nehemiah 4 and 3. Now, Tobiah, the Ammonite, notice where he was. I highlight the three words here because I thought they were so important was beside him. Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him. Beside him. Notice what he was at. He was lit. If this was him, he was beside him. And every time Sambala said something, Tobiah was right there beside him. You got to be careful who you beside. Especially when they notice when you beside, notice what is on beside my ear is on beside. Y'all, 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 see, y'all, you got to see this. I'm gonna, everybody look up here real quickly. Notice what's, what's beside, what's, what's on my side, an ear. And that ear can catch you what comes in the ear gate. That's why you got to guard your heart. You can't let everybody speak into your ear. I'm telling you that right now. When, they, when you find out they got evil intentions, you got to learn how to cut them off. Well, that's my family. Cut them off. Cut them off. Listen, evil intentions, evil desires. And notice what he said. Notice what he went on to say Tobiah did. Whatever they build, whatever they establish, whatever they cause to continue, if even a fox goes up on it, it he will break down or scatter into pieces their stone wall. See, in my mind, Tobiah had to be dealing with some internal conflicts, especially since his name meant good. And Tobiah chose to be beside someone who was thinking, talking, and behavior was the opposite of the good, that, that being Sambalat. Sambalat was, he chose to be beside him. He said, when, he, when Sambalat started talking like that, he said, hey, I don't agree with you. And this is what you got to be careful. You can't agree with everybody. everything you hear on TV and social media. You can't agree with everything they say. They're going to tell you enough to get your ratings so you can, they can sell some advertising dollars. You can't agree with everything everybody say. 
you got to be led by the Holy Spirit and understand what the Spirit of God is saying. Tobiah chose to be beside someone who was thinking, talking, behaving was the opposite of the good thing that being Sabalit. In fact, Sabalit had some twisting evil thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. Evil, which is the opposite of good, was in his thinking and words towards Nehemiah and the people building the wall. Now, Tobiah began to speak negatively. Negatively, He brought doubt, doom and gloom, large because Sambalit was in his ear. He was beside him. Could it be that peer pressure and people pleasing had gotten the best of him? Did Sambalit's approval and opinion matter more to him that what he knew deep inside was right. Did he start out good, then hang with Sabalit, became corrupt? Allowed his twisted thinking to corrupt his good character? This reminds me of the conflict that goes on in my head sometimes. I want to believe God, but there's so many sounds of doubt that come my way. I want to believe God to get me out, but my natural circumstances are telling me this is not going to happen. That's why you need to go back to the word of God. Scriptures like James chapter 1, verse 7 and verse 8. For let not that man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded in all his ways. He's unstable. He's restless. He's irregular. He's frequently changing his ways. That's why we stick with the word of God. We stick with the word of God. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's why we must remain stable in our faith in Jesus to receive all that God has for us, despite the Sambalas and Tobias in our life. Now, let's look at Nehemiah and the people. First of all, Nehemiah views the wall of the room. Let's look at how he viewed the wall. Nehemiah had gotten an assignment from God. He was going to rebuild the wall. And notice what he says in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 11 through 17. This is when Nehemiah had talked to the king. The king said, yes, you can go back, rebuild the wall. I'm going to give you resources that you need. And so he's on his way back. And now he sees the wall. And this we're going to pick it up at when Nehemiah views the wall of Jerusalem. In Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 11 through 17. So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. Then I rose in the night, I and a few men with me. I told no one what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Notice this, that Nehemiah, God had put it in Nehemiah's heart to do what he's getting ready to do. Goes on to read here, nor was there any animal with me except the one on which I rode. Nehemiah 2 and verse 13. And I went out by night through the valley gate to the serpent well and the, and the refuge gate and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down and his gates, which were burned with fire. Then I went on to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but there was no room for the animal, animal under me to pass. So I went up in the night by the valley and viewed the wall. Then I turned back and entered by the valley gate and so returned. And the officials did not know where I had gone or what I had done. I had, I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or the other ones who did the work. And in verse 17, then I said to them, you see the distress that we are in. 
how Jerusalem lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. Notice in verse 17 that I said to them, you see the distress, you see the unpleasantry, you see the misery that we are in, how Jerusalem lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. Come and let us build, let us establish, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach, a shame, a disgrace, or an embarrassment. Notice that he said that they were a reproach, a shame, a disgrace, or an embarrassment. One of the things that kind of sticks out in my mind I know that Nehemiah was not the only one who saw the wall. But yet he was the only one that was commissioned to do something about it. Isn't that amazing? Well, I'll leave that alone. Now, and so he saw the wall and he said, I'm going to rebuild it. There's something about a mindset of a leader that has been, has periods of shame, disgrace, and embarrassment. They know what it means to suffer misery and unpleasant comments and actions by people. I imagine most people have, if you've been in a leadership position, you have been talked about like nobody's business. But let me say this to you. Chances are, I ain't going to say none of y'all here. If you have been somebody who has been under somebody's leadership, you may have been the one that talked about the leader. Until you got in their shoe, oh, this ain't what I thought it was. I thought this was this, that, and the other. Let me tell you something what I've learned over years. Everything looked good when you're looking at it just like this. But when you start looking at it like this, you see things from a different perspective. So now... I hope we are in a position where we don't criticize leadership because one day we could be the leader. I'm criticized. I don't like the way they do it. I don't like to do this and that. I don't like the way they do that. Like when you got in there, you're going to do a whole lot better. In fact, you might make it worse instead of better. So we have to be careful how we come across at people. A leader with the mindset is willing to change their mindset. A a leader with that mindset is willing to change their mindset. They want to be more Christ-minded. They want to have godly work habits. They want to have a godly attitude and a leadership style to move forward instead of backwards. And they have to deal with reproach. They have to deal with reproach. Now, we have looked at uh, different people to include high priests, Levites, leaders of men, the men of Jericho, the sons of different leaders were building and repairing the wall. These are the people that Nehemiah used to rebuild the wall. The wall of Jerusalem was rebuilt and repaired by a diverse team with different backgrounds and different skill sets and work habits. Not everybody brings the same thing to the table. One great thing about you, when you go on your job, you, you do your business, that you are meeting a need. You are meeting a need. And the more valuable the need, the more you get paid. The more you get paid. 
If you if you're doing the same thing that that person that hired you is doing, after a while they ain't gonna need you no more because they can do it. But you're doing something that's going to help them and add value to them. Like for example, if you can't fix your car and you can't change your transmission, that transmission person becomes valuable to you, especially when you need a new transmission. You got to understand that when you're working with people, you add value. You add value. You add value. And these people, even though they came from different backgrounds, they added value to what Nehemiah was assigned to do. Now, Nehemiah was taking a different approach in the leadership, and the results were productivity, prosperity, and the, pe- and the wall of Jerusalem was being built. The wall of Jerusalem was rebuilt and repaired by a diverse group of individuals. And Nehemiah was confident in the God that he served for this particular assignment. His approach toward dealing with the opposition had matured. Can you imagine these folks come and talking to you? You're, you're doing God's assignment, and all of a sudden they come talking to you. It's one of two approaches you're going to handle. You're going to jump off that wall, and you're going to start laying hands. Okay, I said that spiritually, but they really come spiritually. You're going to start picking up stuff, throwing pieces of the brick of the wall at them. You're going to start getting mad. But this was not Nehemiah's approach. And you got to be careful. You don't let people take you away from your godly assignment. Because people will try to mess with your emotions. Can I say something to you real briefly? People will get you fired off a job by stirring you up on something that really don't even matter. Because they don't like you. You ain't know why they don't like you. Well, your question, what did I do to you? You, know, you got to leave that stuff alone and focus in on what God's called you to do in that job. All right? Don't get caught up with all that stuff they be doing. But notice Nehemiah's prayer for those who despise him. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 4. Go back to Nehemiah 4 and verse 4. Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn their reproach on their own heads and give them as plunder to a land of captivity. Notice this. Here, here, O our God, for we are despised. We feel contempt. We, we dislike. We feel someone has no value. Turn their reproach, their shame and disgrace on their own heads and give them as plunder to a land of captivity. God, we're working for you and fulfilling your assignment. I want you to deal with them. You deal with them, God. People are being disrespectful. You deal with them, God. They don't like us. You deal with them, God. I'm asking you to deal with them like only you can. Turn their reproach on their own heads and give them as plunder to a land of captivity. Nehemiah went to the Lord on those who despise him. Boy, can we learn something from Nehemiah today? Why are we trying to handle everything? Why can't we go to God and let God deal with it? And let me say this to you. If he don't do anything about it, you still put it before him. You put it before him. Well, God should have did something by now. How do you know God's not doing nothing by now? How do you know that God did not leave them there because he's trying to build some character in you? I know I don't like, I don't like it neither, but that's true, though. <laughs> Because some, some trouble God is not going to move out of your life. 
He'll let you deal with it to build character in your life. Thank you, Lord, for building character in me. I say I always like the lesson, but I understand the lesson. <laughs> so now, as, as believers, we need to understand that. We got to be mature and Christ-minded and let him deal with the matter. We need to pray for God's grace and mercy in the process for our opposers. Many times it, in our immaturity, we try to fix it and get distracted from the work that God has called and the wall continues to remain in ruins. Can you imagine here he is building the wall and all of a sudden he got distracted by Sam Ballard and Tobiah and then he jumped off the wall and Tobiah, I tell you what, you get in my face one more time. They don't get no wall built. You be a lost your job trying to fool with folks like that. Your, your relationship trying to handle folks they ain't got no business being in your relationship can go array. Doing, messing with folks that you need to just pretty much leave alone and give to God. And pray, let's like Nehemiah did. Give them to God. Let God do. And if he leave them there, okay, God, you must be building my character. Let me give you a quick example. Y'all know that Jesus knew that that man was stealing money from him when he walked on the earth, don't you? Y'all know that Judah, he knew that Judah, don't you know he knew that Judah was going to betray him? And he still let Judas walk with him. Do you know that he let Judas walk with him and Judas was stealing money out the treasure? And he still let him steal the money out the treasure. If, if I know he was going to steal it before he stole it, that treasure wouldn't have been there when he went to steal it. See, y'all missed it. If, the tra- if, it, if I knew Jude was going to steal it on, uh, tonight, this would not be here when he came down tonight. I mean, who, who y'all think God is, y'all? God left it there. He let Judah steal from it and still loved him. And you think you're doing something? <laughs> Woo! Help us all, Lord. Let me finish this up. Let me finish this up. Stay with me just a few more minutes. John 14 and 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Let not your heart be troubled. Don't let people trouble you. Don't let people agitate you. Don't let people who are outside of the will of God mess with you inside of the will of God. The safest and the best place to be is in the will of God. Best place you can be is in the will of God. But don't let people outside the will of God bother you. No doubt Nehemiah, hey, he knew. He had to trust God in this process to deal with his opposers. And I know, and, and to me, this is me thinking, don't really say this, but it had to be hard for Nehemiah not to come off that wall. It'd be hard, I'm sure it was hard for Nehemiah not to say, I tell you what, let me, let me get the king as men to deal with y'all. You know, some of us would have called the king. Hey, king, I'm, I'm your, hey, you know I'm your boy, the cupbearer, right? The one you sent me over here. I got these folks over here. I need you to take care of Nehemiah. <laughs> I need you to come take care of these folks. But Nehemiah kept building. He kept building. He kept building. He kept building. We can let trouble hinder our deliverance, protection, as well as our prosperity. That's why we have to keep building. Nehemiah 4, verse 6. Nehemiah 4, verse 6. In second clause, for the people had a mind to 
work. The people had a mind to work. They did not get distracted by the Symbalists and Tobias in their life. For the people, the workers, the families, all the ones we talked about here this morning, they had a mind. They had an understanding of thinking and a will to work, to produce and to accomplish the task at hand. When we have a mind to work, we, are product, we have productivity on our mind. We look for ways to prepare, produce, as well as prosper. Our thinking and understanding of that of accomplishing the task before us, regardless of the opponents, regardless of the adversaries, regardless of the people around us. Let me say this to you. Regardless of the situation that going even in your own mind, you still can have a mind to work. Because sometimes your mind can get you off task. But thinking, talking outside of the will of God. Sometimes we can be our own worst enemy. Because we're trying to figure everything out. But God says, hey, you got to trust me in this situation. God's not going to reveal everything to y'all. Y'all know everybody now. You faith walkers. He's not going to reveal everything to you because you walk by faith, not by sight. You got to trust God in this situation. Can you imagine Nehemiah building that wall, Sambala and Tobias all up there, and all of a sudden, everything going on? He had to trust God in that situation. He had to trust God. He had to trust God. Despite the mocking, the toning, the feelings of being in an embarrassment, Nehemiah and the different work workers made up in their mind they're going to establish and continue to rebuild the wall. I believe that we can do so much more together as a team on the same page. Remember a couple of weeks ago? Team Jesus. We're going to be on Team Jesus. And just like the people with Nehemiah, we can accomplish the will of God here at OCC with a mind to work. We can see lives rebuilt, marriages restored, ministry continued with maximum productivity of leaving soul, leading souls to the salvation when we're united and we have a mind to work. Nehemiah and his team accomplished the goal because the people on this team had a mind to work. They prayed and trusted God to deal with their opponents and the obstacles. They refused to allow the hearts to be troubled. They placed their confidence, their belief in God, and continued working. As we continue to grow and mature and being even more Christ-minded, we can bring about the godly results in God's house when we operate with good work habits. We'll be effective witnesses and representatives of Jesus Christ. Souls are going to be saved. We're going to fellowship with one another. We're going to bring the early church experience to the forefront so that others can connect to Jesus and his church. Why? Because we have a mind to work. And not just do any work, doing anything. We're focused. We're focused. And we, keep, we think about the things that we do here in the ministry. We minister to our community. We minister in the backpack program, homeless outreach, nursing home ministry, and so forth. Because why? We have a mind to work. When we're Christ-minded, there's nothing we can't accomplish for the kingdom of God. Nothing we cannot accomplish. I want to look at last few scriptures here in my Nehemiah 4, 7 through 9. Now, when it happened, Sambalat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Astrodites heard the walls of Jerusalem were being restored, going up. 
they were going up and the gaps were being began to be closed. They became, notice this, very angry. Very angry. Why are they so angry? And all of them conspired together to come and attack and create confusion. But notice how they responded in verse 9. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to our God, and because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. Nevertheless, we made our prayer. We, got, we asked God to get involved. Prayer, I'm defining this as get God involved. When you pray, I want God to get involved. I want God to get involved. But notice what else they did. They watched. They observed. And they watched day and night. Reminds me of Matthew 26 and 41. That's why a winning team will follow the example to watch and pray. Matthew 26 and 41. Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. We got to watch and we got to pray. We got to watch and we got to pray. As born again believers, our spirit man is willing and ready to obey God, ready to build that wall, ready to unite, ready how to mind the word, but your flesh, it still wants to do what it wants to do. I never want us to underestimate the work of the flesh and carnal thinking and so forth. It's still going to try to work against you. But as we continue to watch and pray, we'll overcome the Sambalas and Tobias. And we will be a church that has a mind to work. Amen? I'm done. Stand to your feet, Lord. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's message. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your prayer request and testimonies to our website at occvr.org. That's occvr.org. We would like to invite you to partner with us as we share the gospel all around the world. Just go to our website at occvr.org. Click on the Give button to give online, or you can utilize text to give text GIVE to the number 770-692-2225. That's 770-692-2225. Join us on our YouTube channel, subscribe to our podcast, and connect with us on social media. We also invite you to join us in a live service. We're located at 3097 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia. Visit our website for more details at occvr.org. Until next time, remember, without a vision, the people perish. See you next time for more Heaven Bound with Pastor Richard D. Dobbs of Overcomers Christian Center in Villarica, Georgia.